welcome back. This is Film Sock, and we are doing our Sundance uh, Film Festival episode, um, mainly because uh, uh, Evgenia has just returned from at least what was at the first half of the Sundance Film Festival this year, and she's got a report to make, and then we're just going to talk about the festival in general. I used to go, you know, back in the 90s to early 2000s a lot, um, and we can compare some notes and talk about what the festival is all about. Yeah, by the way, the first week is kind of the most, the, the more important week. Oh, it definitely it is. Like. It definitely is. Like the fancier weeks. Yeah, the second week is, if you ever do it, is it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, what they tout is that it's, you know, you get a much much better access because, of course, heavy hitters start leaving town. Yeah. So the last couple of days, they'll often rerun the most popular films, the ones you couldn't get into, and you'll, and you'll have your shot. So some people try to argue, if you're not an industry type, it's actually a good, you know, a good way to, to actually get in and see things now that it's so hard to get in and see the, the, the films that have a lot of buzz. Um, but that's the only thing. All the excitement is in the first half, really. But yeah, but excitement of almost like of a weird nature. It's not mm. even necessarily the movies to me. It felt like the excitement of celebrities being in town. Absolutely. And like spotting them. <laughs> yeah. And I even saw, I'll just immediately like, we'll get into it because I was once only two years ago, second mm-hmm. week, so there was nothing. It's very different. It was nothing mm. like like this time and this time you know like steven spielberg is walking down main street mm-hmm. and people are like semi chasing him wow <laughs> so because well, spielberg is a get you know because he he wasn't the typical type of person who would ever be at the sundance film festival early well, on but now it's changed i think it's yeah. just oh, like no, it's a yeah. big it's gonna it's a huge deal big stars come just to be there and yeah was he there for any is he associated with you, any film? You know what? I have no idea. I actually, I, I guess I should have checked, but I like, I somehow couldn't, I couldn't care less. I thought this scene was almost too funny. But, yes, I don't, I don't know. And then the whole, yeah, the Main Street celebrity spotting thing and the longest mm-hmm. line to the panels with mm-hmm. just some sort of like celebrities. It's just, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that exciting to stand in line to just... Uh, here's some like actor pontificate on their process, you know? <laughs> well, you get that's... fooled the first few times and then you know. Most actors are not good talkers, which is a strange thing. So A few are, but often you'll go and it'll be some genius actor. I mean, my, my, mm-hmm. my favorite example is going to see a panel where, I forget what the, what, what the topic was even, but Jennifer Jason Lee was just one of several very famous people. And I really wanted to hear what she had to say. And she was the <laughs> most recessive, quietest, mousiest, I didn't even recognize her at first. She she was just so shy and withdrawn that you could they hardly could get a word out of her. And you know, I don't think that it's I don't think it's an uncommon syndrome that oddly enough without their without scripts, etc. and you know, various prompts and memorizing their shtick, a lot of actors are not good talkers. Well, they should actually kind of be in hiding cuz that's like should be like a persona on screen. You often and do then, wish that they just can't you just hide. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, just yes. hide. You know, they're not the Joan Crawford type of star anymore, where, you know, you make sure you're Joan Crawford <laughs> out mm-hmm. in the world, maintaining your image as well as, at, you know, as well as when you're in films. And they just don't do that anymore. So, yeah, often it's very disillusioning to see yeah. your favorites. Yeah. But also, didn't like, um, was Hitchcock saying that actors are kind of like cattle? Or should be treated like cattle or yeah, something. Yeah, or should be treated. <laughs> that was lines. his correction. He said, I never said they're cattle. I said they should be treated like cattle. Oh, that's the line. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but I do have to say, okay, again, the longest lines 
art, some sort of like celebrity affiliated, big celebrity affiliated mm-hmm. movies or panels, which mm. is really sort of laughable. And then there's sometimes no lines to something with a little bit more substance. Right. And, you know, a room like is half empty, just <laughs> rather telling what's happening there. But, you know, I um, so since I'm at least semi, semi-reporting on mm-hmm. Sundance 2020. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like uh, the theme here was that almost, um, don't quote me on that, but something like maybe like 46% of films this year were directed by women. Yeah. Which they seem to be repeating like every day in their like Sundance recap little videos <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and celebrating. And I guess that's great. Yeah, that never happened before. And another thing, something like, again, don't remember exactly, but close to half of the movies have black like black actors in them mm-hmm. like it's not the full black ass but at least like yeah insignificant like, roles kind yeah, of thing significant yeah. roles yeah yeah for black actors and um yeah that was also basically one of the points like indywire and all those right. industry papers trying to you know celebrate. trying to get so, a take trying to say mm-hmm. what what this sundance year is about they've always been doing that i mean ever since you know the 90s when it was this is the year of queer cinema you know they've, they've mm-hmm. always been an attempt to get a get an angle and it's usually a kind of what we you know quote unquote identity politics angle yeah that's that's fully that was that what it was like i don't think i can necessarily add much more to that Mm -hmm. i don't know about the queer cinema there's definitely a lot of a lot of that too i don't know what's the percentage though but overall it definitely felt like very much like benetton film festival Mm -hmm. and um you know and and then why I say Benetton, not because I deride the <laughs> diversity, but because actually it felt like, but you know, Benetton is a huge commercial brand. Mm-hmm. And so is Sundance, actually. So, well, and it's, it is funny because, because is, you know, the, mm-hmm. the John Cooper, who's, it's, I guess it's his last year of director after he's been doing it for decades, or mm-hmm. um, basically that was his line on his own festival. <laughs> what? You know, this is, I, I'll, I'll just do the, do the quote. Um, the audience has paved the way for a different kind of indie film, more authentic stories from different cultures and backgrounds. And mm-hmm. then he goes on to, you know, kind of, kind of stress how, you know, we're, 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 we're really branching out diversity wise and that's what's happening at Sundance that's mm-hmm. what's been happening at Sundance for a very long time you know which is praiseworthy but you know it, it's interesting to read some of the coverage and see that that is faithfully taken down by people who are claiming that's their take on the festival <laughs> and you're like really you just took dictation from the director of the festival who told you but it does sound like that that is what they went for and that's what they got yeah and it feels um, again I don't know I wonder uh, how it was like in the late 90s. It seems like these are frequently the movies that do get a lot of buzz. And mm-hmm. um, I think they do sell right. <laughs> well at this point. And they frequently have this kind of um, dramatic, some sort of either coming of age mm-hmm. or some sort of other overcoming trouble. Oh, yeah, that, those um, are staples of Indian film. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, structure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the difference yeah. is now it's like the voices of more different ethnicities and different, I don't know. Country, different regions, countries, races, and yeah, genders, yeah, yeah. And gender, whatever, sexuality, yeah, and yeah, yeah. transgender, and all that. Yeah. So it's like way more diverse, yes. And mm-hmm. actually, the first panel, I think it was like right the second day, twenty mm-hmm. third was the opening. So basically, almost like the first official day, mm-hmm. not counting the opening night. Uh, there was a pretty big, seems to be like packed panel that was mm-hmm. called something like <laughs> a bit funny, uh, women changing the game or how women are changing the game mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, the kind of the big sign mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and um, in the room and um, all the women on the panel, they were either Latino or of color, or there's a woman from, I think 
one of the only filmmakers come out to the like, international stage from Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And the thing there, it was rather bizarre when they talked to each other. Some of them were rather charming and engaging and mm-hmm. good to them that they get to write and direct. Mm-hmm. But it seems that by default almost, and they do it, it's like expected of them to tell the specific stories of the identity they embrace, which mm. is what either, I don't know, black woman this, uh, I don't know, what Latina woman from, I don't know where, Puerto Rico, uh, you know, like the specific identity mm-hmm. they have, that's the stories they have to tell yeah. uh, for, for people to actually take notice and celebrate. And this mm-hmm. is, to me, felt rather weird because isn't it the idea that this kind of you know the, the new the new era mm-hmm. is that you, yes you allow more voices in and you allow different stories but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be only about you like the navel gazing not of white man but of multiple different well, and that, uh, identities but that therefore you, yeah. it's dangerous because you wind mm-hmm. up suggesting everything that someone suggests who checks a series of boxes for you mm-hmm. everything that they say is now elevated as to having some sort of you know ultra virtue because they are saying it they've already given their bona fides <laughs> in yeah. terms of their their identity which is you know we see this the impact of this in politics the whole believe women thing she's a woman yeah. <laughs> um politician it was elizabeth warren in that case and that got a lot of backlash because now it's like oh just by checking the the woman box you now are are beyond above suspicion that seems crazy um but you know i'm so used to, this has been going on for decades you know if you were at berkeley you you went through this that everyone would be prefacing their comments at a at a panel you know discussion by, or questions by saying i well as uh, you know a queer woman of color from this region i have this to say and that would make yeah. them often unassailable yeah, and I, I got to hate that way back, way back when. But you know so. what? I don't even mean because I don't want to sound reactionary, and I know you don't you don't want either. Mm, so no. I'm not even I'm not even talking about that. That they immediately have some sort of authority on mm-hmm. that experience, whatever. Let them have it. But the fact that it seems that this sort of new openness, you know, for all these voices, supposedly mm-hmm. look at sentence now, is is a bit bizarre because let's say I'm okay. What's my identity? I don't know. I'm like a Russian woman. Uh, immigrant or Russian American, mm-hmm. something like filmmaker. I have. It seems like I would be encouraged and celebrated if I tell stories of mm-hmm. Russian uh, immigrant woman or Russian something woman of around my kind of identity. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And what if that's not necessarily the story I'm interested in or the story mm-hmm. I want to Or tell what if, in a you know, anti-Russian prejudice <laughs> in the audience has exactly the opposite effect for you so that no one okay. listens to you because there's all this anti-Russian paranoia, depending that's on the true. audience that yeah. you're in. So does that okay. suddenly invalidate what you then have to say or make it that's worth true. less? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Basically, from what angle you, you, you look at it, there's, there's like a weird kind of ghettoization of of these different identity voices that, Mm -hmm. first of all, have to stay where they are, but, yeah, and then, you know, and talk about what they specifically, supposedly know intimately, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know, by default, just because of that identity, and, um, yeah, and that's that. And and at this point, it seems that, um, you know, you can't really, you're not supposed to tell other people's stories, right? Right, I know that it has been happening, the white man, mostly filmmakers have been doing it for, well, film is like a century old, Mm -hmm. per century, but but now that's it. Uh, That should be what would would stop to that. I kind of 
I disagree. Are there great films made by men and by women? There are great films probably made by women, by men, or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but animals. So this whole thing was rather bizarre. That's what I felt also going to a few other panels that are mm-hmm. all specifically identity-related mm-hmm. stuff that is weirdly, basically feels like a weird ghettoization that pretends to be um, the uh, some kind of progressive Right. Progressive, polit- progressive politics, basically. Or yeah. Progressive. And it just it, it makes it a kind of mindless exercise. If you've got categ- huge categories of what is considered good and virtuous, everyone can suspend their thinking about <laughs> any of the details of what people say or do. It just that just seems crazy. You don't. E- in other words, before you hear what I have to say and then judge that, you have to hear where it's coming from, and then that means you might suspend your judgment about what I say and cons- and assume I'm. I must be correct, or I'm, what I say must have great value. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's sort of like you could take it out of this. This is a very you know fraught issue, and you, as you say, you don't want you don't want to be a complete reactionary, certainly. But you, you know, take something like for me, what drives me crazy is the assumption that low budget indie art films are inherently great. They just and, and you often go to film festivals, and that's kind of the rhetoric. It's just like there's an inherent virtue associated with making in independent art films because they're somehow high-minded and um what authentic and coming from a from an authentic place as opposed to big hollywood commercial productions and so then you're stuck in this you know this awful sense it used to be true i don't know sundance has gone so commercial i don't know if they can sustain it anymore but it used to be this rather sickening what kind of miasma of 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 pretense of you know we're 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 virtuous just by by the fact that we're here watching indie films and appreciating them and it's sort of like going to documentary films at certain theaters and you feel like people feel really virtuous yeah exactly that always drove me nuts (laughs) well it's still happening and as you know like now people keep saying how it's golden age of documentaries yeah and there were a lot of documentaries that Mm -hmm. are seem to be almost like long lines very popular might be more popular than certain certain Mm -hmm. um fictional films and i definitely will overhear around me people would say oh i just like cried throughout the whole film as if that's some kind of <laughs> yeah that must sign. mean <laughs> yeah and that goes down to my original sort of take the way i was thinking about it, speaking of comedy and like my commentaries this is right it's all about some sort of experiencing catharsis through through watching something like miserable and feeling mm-hmm. gorgeous for being able to watch it and, yes. empath- and supposedly being empathetic and then coming out and feeling bad about your life yeah, yeah. but um so that, that's yeah. still, still there so that that definitely perseveres yes in this if, entirely passive act of, of watching a film i have somehow taken upon uh myself all of this virtue associated with, with this horrifying subject matter it's it's weird you see it but you see it on social media all the time the race to present whatever is the worst thing you can find that's happening in the world large or small in any i mean i have the feel bad olympics on my facebook feed it's hilarious just like sometimes i don't know how i get through it it's just nothing but people whose whole specialty when they post is trolling the world for what's the most awful heart-rending hideous thing that has happened anywhere because just by presenting it I don't know. Again, it, it, you, it, you, there's some sort of credit attached to it. It's always in this kind of I am bearing witness in this kind of grandiose way. After a while, you're just like, ah, give me the damn funny cat <laughs> cat video. I'd rather, you know, I'd really rather. 
Well, yeah, but that's, <laughs> but I think it's like a good segue into me just at least talking briefly about a few documentaries. Yeah, you saw one some, of, one some of interesting ones buzzy, from what I read. Buzzy anyway. documentaries. Yeah, that, that were one of those, like I cried <laughs> through the entire film. <laughs> Which is the crying one. <laughs> okay, so, well, actually, uh, both of the buzzy ones I watched. Oh, so yeah. One, one is actually, but I, I do have to say, I, I, honestly, I, d- I did really like it and I think it is kind of... In, in a way an amazing film it's called mm-hmm. Saudi Runaway mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure I was checking I'm not sure it has yet been sold or got distributed but mm-hmm. I, I I believe I, I bet it will it's uh, so basically it's a, an interesting film because it's fully shot on just two iPhones by mm-hmm. a Saudi young woman she's I don't know around 25 uh, who basically wants to run away and seek political asylum in mm. Europe because the life in Saudi Arabia that she's like gonna destined to live does not satisfy her because you know even she seemed like by her surroundings when you see she probably comes from like something like upper middle class family mm-hmm. and is about to be married off to seems like maybe like a somewhat richer old man mm. not too old but like richer and older and this is the way it is and then her life would be that and um, her husband um, has to approve let's say uh, her to travel anywhere so she basically like you know fully kind of captive existence mm. that um, does not satisfy her she basically somehow reached out um, uh, to some activists uh, in Europe because there are a few organizations dealing with that and um, also connected with this uh, German filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, uh, who basically taught her how to use those phones to shoot this film. Uh, somehow, like, either they talked or online. Mm-hmm. And uh, five weeks before she ran away, she started shooting it. So it's a very kind of was a short production period, but it mm-hmm. is rather amazing because yeah. uh, what you could see is, like, her life inside the home because she can't even leave the house without brother or father. Mm-hmm. She can't, like, go to a store, so she mostly hangs at home. But you see kind of... Um, you know, again, it's I guess a partial exaggeration because you rarely get to see the you know like the, the, the domestic existence. It's you mm. know she secretly was filming it. It wasn't like in the open, so so you get to see pretty intimate scenes. And then she gets to shoot both her wedding, even part of her honeymoon. Uh, that she uses to run away because on the honeymoon they go to a different country. They mm-hmm. go, I think, to to to, um, United, to United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. where she can like kind of flee mm-hmm. to the airport and fly first for some reason to Belarusia, and then she ends up in in Germany where she asks for asylum. And it's basically all shot, and it gonna is truly suspenseful because mm. if you don't go reading about it, you're not sure is she gonna make it, make or, it or, or not. Right. Yeah, because if if they don't make it, it gets pretty ugly. I think some mm-hmm. potentially, you know, I don't know, all kind of abuse detention mm-hmm. and who knows, uh, potentially killing. Um, yeah. Uh, in, I mean, in the worst case scenario. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the narrative arc, and I guess for people who will get to watch it, mm-hmm. I, I, there's a spoiler because it's more interesting not to know mm-hmm. whether she's going to make it or not. And um, I don't know, yeah, and, and that's that's kind of the movie I think it got standing ovations, right? And all that as you as you as you can expect. But um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. This is uh, almost kind of an extended edited by professionals sort mm-hmm. of self-tape YouTube video. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's kind of the sort of the look of it, but it somehow really works. Because oh, God, this point, no, that I think, sounds perfect. That sounds like that's going to amp yeah. up the... 
tremendous anxiety. Obviously, that's all the only way she can she can film this, presumably. Yeah, so yeah, but, but there's something also about I guess at this point you know how most even documentaries everything mm-hmm. is kind of beautifully shot, expensively mm-hmm. with this and that. And of course, this movie was edited by professionals and probably color corrected mm-hmm. and all that to, for it to look good on, on big screen. Mm-hmm. But overall, there's something kind of interesting. It's almost like. It doesn't. It all doesn't matter. Some sort of new new iPhone mm-hmm. shoots as well, and some of the we we don't care if it's uh, the footage, especially when it's secretly kind of shot from her purse or something. Mm-hmm. That it's a bit, you know, I don't know, off. <laughs> uh, the horizon is off, and it's all kind of weird. As long as obviously they can't. They, it's interesting what you're looking at and the sound. No, it sounds there. so much more exciting. And in fact, we overvalue these pristine, mm-hmm. <laughs> beautifully shot, not muddy, not ugly, not yeah. shaky. That's just dumb. I don't know where we, why we've obsessed over having everything look polished. It's not yeah, dramatic, know, especially in documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Especially in documentaries. It's crazy. I like, kept, yeah, I kept thinking like, what's actually really the difference? Because why documentaries really try to look like it's a big. Uh, a Hollywood fictional. film, right? yeah, yes. blo- almost blockbuster Hollywood. Absolutely, it's not even the. It's not even seems to be the point of interest because again, I'm not against the conventions. Obviously, there are interesting stories you want to see, and, mm. and this one is really peculiar, um, peculiar one. And it's good probably to know about this because again, it, it's still kind of like I guess social issue documentary because mm. uh, a th- like a few thousands of women every year run away from Saudi Arabia seeking political asylum and mm-hmm. you know the whole organization helping anyway who knows the movie might <laughs> somewhat somewhat as they say raise awareness and all that blah 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 mm-hmm. but overall yeah the, the aesthetic of it is kind of interesting you just really don't mean much that, that's, that's that mm-hmm. and um, okay that was a, a, really a good film and mm-hmm. I and one conflicting thing I don't know no one agreed with me I've chatted with a few people about it the only thing that kind of bothered me a little bit it's like a story is obviously compelling as it is mm-hmm. but then another thing the the um, young woman in the film who constantly tapes and tapes mm-hmm. herself and basically cries on camera and I know it's all genuine because it's kind of a horrendous story mm-hmm. and she's very courageous but she's so beautiful she's like looks like an Instagram model oh yeah and mm-hmm. that sort of kind of I was conflicted by because you think it's like do you as a viewer empathize more which is easier you know Mm -hmm. the really like attractive kind of woman in trouble and study (laughs) show the answer is yes you do yes this is true and (laughs) i'm not i was i was captivated too so i'm telling you from the perspective of like the same (laughs) like anyone else getting fall for that Mm -hmm. um and yeah and that was interesting i don't know the director who was at the Q&A she didn't comment on that she said Mm -hmm. just this is a girl who reached out on the um, board when she was saying like oh we want to make a movie about it who is like who is running away soon Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was the only one who reached out but then she's also supposedly is kind of an an Instagram user used to be at Mm -hmm. least so she really probably has that kind (laughs) of I don't know connection to I don't know who knows vanity or attention seeking whatever it was but uh, so she's the one who volunteered so it kind of made sense i'm surprised they didn't at least mm -hmm. acknowledge like and wow we couldn't help but think we couldn't have found someone who's a perfect more perfect camera subject and filmmakers think this way there's a lot of i I... do but then it's it's (laughs) hypocritical not to ever at least mention it at least like say say it it's so in your face but i don't know no one no one talks about it and i'm like well she it is kind of interesting, isn't it? Like an Instagram runaway Saudi model. She might have a future in Hollywood. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Who knows? Like, if she probably wants it after uh-huh. she, after her papers will get an order from like 
whatever have refugee status uh-huh. but yeah but anyway that's one film and then the other one i that one i definitely have to briefly talk about did you look into it because I, I i told you i watched it welcome to chechnya yes i read up on it yeah 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 that one is a really one of those standing ovations people yeah. saying how they cried throughout and all that and mm-hmm. that one was very graphic because um the short story and that's that's one of the one of the buzziest documentaries seems to be in the festival mm-hmm. panels and everything um it's a film about um you know the basically gay purge gay mm-hmm. and and whatever last been to queer purge um those people in chechnya mm-hmm. they unauthorized it's not clear what's going on was it or is it ordered by the strong man <laughs> leader of mm-hmm. chechnya or is it just i don't know the uh, it's not a publicly violence. announced campaign but they're carrying no, it out regardless clear. it's not <laughs> yeah. clear no it's not yeah. publicly announced that yeah. would be probably a violation of some i don't know <laughs> some kind of Geneva convention who knows what, what it mm. is but it is happening and people get kidnapped yeah. sometimes just um, in daylight off the street and uh, kept in the weird apartments tortured and sometimes killed they're basically obviously horrific stories mm-hmm. and then there's that's about that but um, the organization in Moscow kind of started by just volunteers uh, helps um, to get um, those people at least who are alive still out of Chechnya mm-hmm. and uh, give find how them like help them find political asylum somewhere in Europe or Canada or I think U.S. too, but not under Trump administration. So it mm-hmm. seems like no no luck with the U.S. And that's kind of the almost a bit of a, you know, also suspenseful thriller stories because who will who will get out because it's kind of hard and they have to plan to, pl- to plan it really well to help people, you know, live the Republic, mm-hmm. the Chechen Republic and first get to Moscow somewhere else and then run away to Europe. And um, in most cases, it's, sometimes they don't succeed, especially with women, because again, like Saudi Arabia there, mm-hmm. women can barely travel without, you know, right approval of some like male relative and all this so and that's the movie about it. but the interesting and obviously the graphic part of it is that um they insert into the movie some intercepted um like footage from mm-hmm. perpetrators mm-hmm. so sometimes you know the, the people who torture they film it almost like as a trophy thing you know oh, but it's yikes. and then it gets you know leaked or who knows how mm-hmm. you know sometimes things unintentionally probably get leaked to the public and they would have those like short videos and that that would be part of the movie almost like a very kind of graphic pretty graphic violence mm-hmm. and uh yeah so 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 that's partially what what made the movie kind of very <laughs> contentious some people were very upset that they were not even warned about it but anyway but that's 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 the movie obviously standing invasions and all that and one of the guys who managed to escape mm-hmm. um um, one of the main characters, he was at the premiere mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, but the interesting part, you, you would appreciate it. I, I mean, this one, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe they did it. Since um, the director wanted to conceal the faces, mm-hmm. I read about the, that. Mm-hmm, yeah, they, they, of some of the. Mm-hmm. Um, not, okay, activists showed their faces, but the sort of the runaway victims, mm-hmm. they would basically develop this an interesting CGI thing where mm-hmm. the uh, the face is there, the mouth movement is there, the eye movement is there, but the face you kind of see just a, a bit distracting, looks weird, is actually a face of some queer LGBT activist who would kind of donate, <laughs> who would give the face, you wow. know, it's a real face, to the Chechen basically sort of victim and uh, yeah, and this way would sort of 
you know, <laughs> Kirkham is right, but also help conceal their identity. That's so strange. I can't even picture this, it. I really need yes. to see this thing now. Yeah, you because, actually, this is, I think this huh. one drew, truly drew me to the, mm. to the film. Not, I'm honestly not necessarily the subject matter, even though, I mean, it is an, an important, important thing. But um, yeah, and then the weirdest thing is that the direct, at one of the most graphic scenes in the film, it's very short with the rape of the captured uh, gay man by mm-hmm. the, I don't know who, the perpetrators by, by some strong men in Chechen. Uh, the director gave his face to that rape victim. Oh, my Lord. So that's like a full, I don't know, what is it supposed to see? Like solidarity, I guess. And then the directors, I think, I'm not sure who she is, relative, maybe niece, gave mm-hmm. her face to one of the women who were trying to also run away from mm-hmm. Chechnya, and she was a pretty significant character in the film. That was really, and I think she was in the premiere too. So that was, it was a really kind of bizarre CGI experiment, mm-hmm. which um, I don't know. <laughs> There's definitely, I don't know, potential a lot of kind of, uh, a comedy in that approach. I actually cannot believe it's been done that way. I'm, I, well, I'm just so startled by the. I mean, because even though it's crude, the old blurring of the face was instantly understandable when you first, if you ever first see where they blur the feet, you will understand, of course, immediately or darkening, putting them in shadow, whatever. You're protecting identity. Here, you're like, what are you doing with identity? That is, you're right. It sounds like move towards some sort of solidarity but it seems like a bizarre and presumptuous one in some way I don't know I, I don't know what I can't imagine liking that if I was if I was someone who was who was going through this that someone imposed their own face over my as if they somehow share or are shouldering or somehow shared my experience that just seems that seems not good <laughs> But maybe I'm just hidebound. I don't know. I don't. I, I wouldn't like that. In order yeah, to protect I, I, my features, you, you, t- give you, your t- face. you give your face, and you, but you also take my face and replace it with yours. That just seems strange. I don't know. I'd have to see it. I guess. Was it disturbing to see? Was that sounds disturbing? I mean, I, I, I think it was rather disturbing and also like um, dis- distracting. Actually, yeah. there's something distracting in this because you keep thinking, oh, who's this person? <laughs> What's going on? And also visually, it's like um, a film that is shot rather simply, but this clearly took a lot of time and money to do that. To do that. Post. So it's and like, you, and and it, you know, you're, and is it clear that there's a kind of mismatch? So you recognize yeah. it when it's happening. Oh, when you, you that they, wait, there's, when you there's the another face? face imposed, even though the oh, mouth and no, no, eyes no. are yeah, because yeah, because the thing is, it's impossible unless I mean, it might be in the future. It's not those like deep fake. I think it's called, yeah, they you can't know, do it do, smoothly. In other words, they can't yeah. do it like this when you really almost like uh, believe that this is the person. No, it's not like that. It's obviously a weird the kind mask of, of another person. The weird mask, almost like a bit scary mask, even if the person's hmm. pretty or whatever. But a scary mask imposed in the face, and sometimes even like the real shape. In, in certain angles, because it's probably hard to keep, you know, people mm. moving in real time. Sometimes, like a real nose, like starts peeking out of there, and it's like a different shape from the mm. nose that is that is drawn imposed. on top of it. It's, huh. uh, yes, it's it is truly it is truly bizarre. Well, and, and were, I, I don't know. Were the imposed faces emoting as if to represent the emotion of the thing that's happening, or were they just still faces, or could oh, you no, not no, tell? No, they, um, yeah, that's the thing. I think it was, yeah, good, really good question. Yes, I think it's sort of like couldn't fully like follow 
like emotion of right. the person talking and acting because that would be I don't know how many more what millions of dollars how you do that the yeah. minor mimicry. no you could kind of okay you could see the mouth moving eyes there and then that face is a bit like yeah like uh, waxy just a kind of still kind of mask yeah okay a bit that yeah, makes sense yeah. sort of moving yeah it's true it's mm. truly it's truly bizarre mm. yeah but anyway but that was almost like my <laughs> point of attraction to the film mm. I, I wanted no, to see it yeah I read the write-up uh, and they and they really emphasize that and I was just like yeah what is that gotta be like I, uh, yeah but yeah. it's also I don't know I don't want to again I don't have like a fully formed opinion on that mm. but it's almost like again yes it was presented as a true solidarity right anonymity yeah. and all that and also you need it in the film so you would actually have that you know mm-hmm. so you would actually have something to look at rather than the blurry spot in the right. face. Right, oh, right, and right. Vo- voices obviously were altered too. So right. voices can be weird. But then, I don't know, there's again that element of like this weird, um, a, the usual kind of identity, not even, it's not identity politics, but this weird like fake high moral ground thing hmm. that sometimes goes wrong because <laughs> you're in such solidarity that you give really your face to the person being raped. Yeah. But then when you slightly like step out of the context of the film and they know that when you're in it I guess it all makes sense you're just watching it's really <laughs> kind of grotesque there's something grotesque about it yeah wow alright that's how I felt yeah but yeah, yeah. alright I, I, I gotta to say. I guess I'll try to see that one <laughs> well, that'll yeah, obviously I, I get think it distribution will, yeah, 100% yeah. yeah I think oh no already it's HBO it's already is okay, I, yeah. I think it will be on HBO yeah so yeah look look out look out for that monster <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah welcome to Fetch now yeah. Um, yeah but anyway but that's like the documentaries and then mm. yeah there are multiple others obviously documentaries of some sort of I would say definitely misery porn kind of nature mm, but um, yeah. I didn't yeah I, d- I didn't venture out to mm-hmm. see them and stand in this like forever long lines speaking of the lines I, mm. I want to ask you were they always that long and you no. have to come that early oh no 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 How even, it, like, even by the time 90s? I was stopping going and I was going from the early 90s mm-hmm. particularly from the early 90s to the early 2000s though I went I went sort of less regularly I went a couple times after that it was getting steadily more crazy every single year till by now I don't even know how anyone negotiates it the last time I went it was like you know, it, what it took to get into any screening that there, there was any talk about was so impossible and the prices of everything had skyrocketed and the yeah. whole town was overrun in a much worse way than when I was first going it was still quite fun quite casual and quite civilized it was when I went they still hadn't built that the big the huge I forget 5,000 seat theater or whatever that Redford never wanted built he wanted us to be literally sitting in high school auditoriums and shit what are you talking about <laughs> Egyptian was not there no no the big the really big Egyptian one. Oh, I forget I the name of it. Mark. The is giant it either one. Either Mark. Yeah, it might be. I don't, I don't remember which one is the largest. Might yeah, all the Mark, early ones. Yeah. The Egyptian was, I think, the biggest one, and that was just the yeah, little town that theater. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. In other words, he wanted to use the existing kind of buildings as screening rooms. He wanted it to be kind of much mm-hmm. more of a community thing, and then Got just it. the really, the really serious about the art of film people were supposed to go there. That was the plan. He he he. At least as convincingly represented, he never intended it, he, and he was mad yeah. when it exploded and became this crazy thing. And he was forced to build special theaters, at least that big, the giant one, because they just couldn't handle it. So yeah, the whole system got overwhelmed to the point that I'm just like God. I don't know. By the time I was done, I was ready to be done. It was so. Wait, when was the last time you went? You I should have looked this up, and now I can't remember. But, but more or less, when it was already crazy. And you said I don't know. Long lines. You know, because I for a while I was going for for 
being an independent film reasons, sometimes going with a film to try to sell it there and everything. Yeah. And that, that ended around 2000, 2000, between 2000, 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I was teaching for a while and I was teaching a class where I brought a group of students to Sundance. And so that probably went through, through 2008. So probably okay. yeah, 2007-ish already- or something was probably the last time I went. Yeah, that was probably already pretty intense. Oh, yeah, it was, it was now, already it was already so completely transformed, and I'm sure it's even a little bit worse. But it was yeah. it was a done deal by the time. But I, you know, I felt <laughs> on some level, people seem to almost like enjoy standing in lines because it forces into this weird people into weird, weird almost camaraderie. Because that's, I almost think that's like, right. And the shuttle buses yeah. were always like that too. Even you, you'd yeah. be on these packed shuttle buses, and it would force you to talk to other people, and you'd see celebrities having to ride it, or big shots if you knew who they were, who were directors or studio people. Yeah. And you'd see them, they'd all have to ride them too. And, you know, so it was a kind of everyone's in the same boat. I mean, if you really want to have that experience, or at least that might be ruined too, Telluride was the ultimate. Because it was mm-hmm. this tiny town that you had to practically dive bomb <laughs> to get into it, the airport to get there. And they literally limited the number. You had to go by lottery because there was just no, no way to expand it. It's so tiny. And yeah. so it would be a tiny number of people. And I, you just you just had more personal encounters with, with filmmakers, top filmmakers than you could ever have had any other way. Mm-hmm. So that was the ultimate. But, you know, for a while, Sundance was 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 close to that it just got yeah. so huge but yeah you do have those perks that there's a strong sense of community you're all in this together <laughs> yeah but then it's, there's also you can feel hierarchy because okay there are those like i forget what they call it different um, special passes that are very expensive yeah, those you either huge, buy them or yeah. you're a donor and you give you give them yeah. because you already yeah they used to be called express to... passes and you just yeah, sailed they're still in called that. yeah mm-hmm. and they're now they're and thousands like a, of dollars right and they yeah, used to be to a say, couple of hundred but even for express passes at certain events the movies there's a line of them it's just a shorter line so there's a shorter wow. line of express oh passes. that is different then, oh, no, so then there's like a long ticketed line and then there's like a third line i don't know if it was in your time there a waitlist line because people hope and it's frequently happens oh, yes. that you oh, know, yeah. someone that's true and all that. but and then it's almost it's just i don't know it's there's something very kind of funny about this type of hierarchy that you encounter almost at every oh absolutely before screening but and then another thing reminded me clearly some people don't mind and enjoy this almost camaraderie but it's almost like um you do that but frequently the movies you get to see after standing all this time are very mediocre absolutely so it is a really bizarre thing. Obviously, yes, it's Sundance. It's a manufactured buzz already just for any movie in the festival. And then there's an added one by the, I don't know, industry. Um, mm. and some kind of industry resources that write about something and hype it even more. But yeah, but it's almost, I was thinking I, I wasn't yet born then, but from what I heard in, in the Soviet Union in the 80s, mm-hmm. that's kind of was similar. They're long lines mm-hmm. and then you join them because they're long and you think, oh, there's something exciting there. Yeah, and then the you, just, yes. you, get, you get to buy like two roll of like toilet paper. That's, <laughs> right. no, I'm not really exaggerating. <laughs> and people were, you know, there's scarcity really. Mm-hmm. But then <laughs> there's no scarcity, scarcity here and it's just the hype and the, the status thing. It's just, it, This one is truly bizarre. Oh, no, that's true. town and, is like that. And people mm-hmm. would wait in line for movies that were going to premiere literally immediately after Sundance. And then you'd really, but but it was exactly that. It was just for the weird prestige of having seen it a week, 
a week earlier, you know, because you could kind of thing that people would be willing to either pay an astronomical amount of money or and or wait in a huge line. And, you know, that you were supposed to get savvy enough to be like, don't go see that. That's just some commercial thing. It's just no reason. Um, And people figured out the documentaries were the hot ticket because, you know, all of a sudden they got really great. Um, uh-huh. So that became a thing. Go to the documentaries, and but then those lines got to be huge. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can still but remember Grizzly Man. Yeah. You could not into Herzog's Grizzly Man. You could not. I, I waited in two lines different times trying to get in, and there was no way you couldn't. It was just the hottest ticket. Did you? Because you had a ticket, but you couldn't even get in. Even no, with a, I was too. I, was, I didn't have a ticket. You couldn't get a ticket. Wait, it was completely list. sold out. So I was yeah. I was waitlisting twice, and mm-hmm. it was just hopeless. There was just no way. Whoa, that's interesting. What a and it's like archival footage re-edited uh, blockbuster, basically. Absolutely, and well, and everyone yeah. had heard, you know, about yeah, like what you, course. you know, the, the lurid subject matter plus the mm-hmm. the prestige of, of Herzog Definitely. together was just this perfect one-two punch in Sundance. So yeah, yeah. But ultimately, you know, since it's um, seemed to be a largely just like liberal elites kind of uh-huh. meet up, hangout spot. Yeah, they. I don't know. Yeah, they just kind of don't mind. They like have all this free time anyway, and it's almost not that miserable that sometimes you. Well, again, and say, frankly, they're drawn to, to the parties that they know they're going to be able That's to get into. Wanted, yeah, <laughs> the elite parties in the houses in the hills, the ski resorty yes. kind of, you know, houses. Did you, go, did you go to those back in the day? I got to go to a few, but not a huge what number. What did you think? But- Oh, they were always disappointing. You know, you always think it's just going to be, wow, finally, this is going to be it. You're in some fancy ass, you know, skier's heaven, uh, you know, uh, house in the hills. You get driven up in this intense darkness. There's all this anticipation. It's this, you have to have kind of heard about it, had an in and managed to get in somehow. There's major stars, but of course you never see them. They're always in some upstairs room, presumably doing drugs. And, you know, it's, you're not going to be able to crash up there. Sometimes you'd literally be stopped. be some sort of you know rope thing and you'd be stopped if you tried to go up the stairs or something so they'd still often preserve a hierarchy if you were going to be able to get in you know sometimes you'd cause see because it felt rather like, yeah sure well it depends yeah, i mean i'm sure they're all different types of parties yeah. but I, I i just was eternally chasing what i thought of is like the really fabulously hedonistic Hollywood party and I felt like I got quite close and still didn't experience it. But really. what, you, what was, did you have any agenda going there? Like what did you, because some people use that just actually really go into the pitching mode, which who knows might lead to something most likely not. You, you Or you just wanted to what, <laughs> hang out to drugs? Like what what's the agenda of most people? I was or, hoping that so you go somewhere where, yeah, that, that, that it's finally a, the pleasure dome. It's finally people are kind of having an ecstatically great time because they're they're the they're the people who are living <laughs> what did John Dolan always say you know that the, the rich and famous are living the life you know while the rest like the vampires they they we they suck out everything out of the system and they get to live great you know lives and the rest of us get nothing and you keep thinking I'll finally get into the room where that great life is happening whatever sh- shape that's going to take and I just never got there it was always really pedestrian and dull it was usually a fairly bad party that wasn't co- hearing it was just not that interesting obviously everyone was drinking everyone was taking drugs everyone was doing all that stuff but it just didn't seem 
I don't know. You just, you, I just had an idea that it was something exponentially greater somewhere, yeah. and I just but never managed it, to get there. But may I ask you, because like it seems like the way you <laughs> retelling it is if you just never could find it, but it's probably still somewhere there or whatever, and it exists. But my perception of all this—that's that—that is the whole point. Yes, they are vampires. Yes, there are mm-hmm. like drugs and whatever, and people are like some attractive people in the bit in the business. But the whole point that is actually, <laughs> I think John Dolan is wrong because there's nothing to that. Like, yeah, it's weird whole, though when you think no, about it. It's actually not. <laughs> it is actually the whole idea. Like the final thing is actually no. This is this is this is the whole point. It's, it is empty. There's nothing to that. I mean, I guess the fleeting fun. The, the, the fun can be fleeting, but it's whatever. Mm. What's the point to this? Like it's just um, sort of some shallow. Uh, yeah, but that seems that weird. I've, so I've thrown parties that got that got the kind of liftoff I'm talking about, where people were really like having such a blast that it almost became you looked around in wonder and was like just like wow. So you're thinking if you have all the resources in the world and the fame and the money and everything, it would be that times 50 times like it would be like you know earthquake logic uh, um of how much exponentially greater it should be and it's just somehow i i did it wasn't i didn't even go to good parties that that were star studied it was star studded but i they weren't good parties they had no Mm. no feeling of just like whatever that is where everyone's dancing wildly and it's just completely taken over and you're all like wow half out of your heads and yeah the dionysian thing just did ever really happen even the way I've seen it sort of happen just among my friends which is always mm-hmm. just like how can that be how <laughs> in a just world so anyway that's just a personal obsession of mine okay yeah but okay that's like you idealizing something that just no, there. I experienced great parties in my own no. little life no 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 idealizing I mean that that we talk about like right Hollywood adjusts and adjusts but I don't like, think it's a indie. fantasy to say but it should be so much better if you could do so much if you're so much freer I mean but you could argue I guess they aren't but why aren't they then I mean it just doesn't make any sense I don't know I think newly speaking of the yeah I went to a few ones in Deer Valley like in the hills mm-hmm. and there would be like I don't know Paula Abdul was there and, <laughs> yeah know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> and people are kind of yeah. semi-swarming yeah. <laughs> around them you know the usual but um but yeah but i think i don't know whatever happened there before when, when you went but now mm-hmm. it's like post weinstein weinstein thing yeah it's definitely there is um you know i think people are very careful <laughs> generally well and that was what always my say, feeling and people would tell me do. that you came a little too late if you'd been here you know i showed up what in the entertainment business anyway when i'm working for coppola in the late 80s and they're all like yeah everyone just kick coke and drugs in general everyone's been to rehab there are no wild parties anymore everyone's being very careful and careerist and that was the explanation that was given to me you know you miss the hedonistic days they're they're over Okay. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Well, I guess we have different takes. I was definitely not looking for any kind of hiddenism, but it was interesting to, I guess, observe that scene, like mm. to gawk at the so, sort of, I don't know, the supposed creme de la creme parties. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it is disappointing for other reasons. I think these people are ultimately very, mostly uninteresting mm-hmm. and they only... Um, kind of the glow that they have. It is, yeah, it's like just power and money related. Yeah, you say just power and money. How can yes, you say just power and money? Yes, but there's frequently <laughs> any substance. Like, it's not uh, very interesting. 
It's just not inter- mostly it's not interesting at all. Hmm. And um, yeah, and they talk about the biz and the known names, but it's like it, it is frequently frequently piques your interest for any long because that's like the people who are in it and all they talk about it is is the business <laughs> you know and well, um, that is my experience it was just a horrifying schmooze fest even among the most famous people i ever saw talking to each other and they they seem to be doing deals and it was just very careful that's what, yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah and um and even if it's not about the deals then i don't know yeah ultimately it's like a weird kind of again sp- very small, <laughs> very small feeling of the small world that gets like projected on literally this big screens mm-hmm. and amplified. Um, and, you know, and then and then, yeah, there's like this uh, perceived magic, supposedly, yeah. or especially if you fully completely outside mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be like woed by it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's kind of actually it's very whatever. And and when I say just money and power, I'm not being like highfalutin about it, but it's truly bad. What's the glow actually about? What is this? Is this is this is just that? And um, the feel that I get that a lot of people who are there or who want to be there, they just really excited by just the fact that scenesters are just all about the scene. They I don't know how many interesting ideas or talent they have movie movie making wise. It's just like what they aspire to be is just part of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what very much was. Well, I, I could, envy I you. You've, you've achieved perfect a perfect state of ennui. That's very good. I mean, you you're right. You're not going to be. You're you're not chasing some impossible dream. That's much better. I wish but I had had that. What's the impossible dream? But what's the impossible, impossible dream? dream is that you finally find the center of pleasure in in at least capitalism you think is operating because the rewards are huge they're all funneling upward but that they're huge mm-hmm. at the top That's true. and if they're not there i mean maybe for most people it would have been like obviously you know uh, but for me it was like no they must be there it, it's an evil monstrous system but there's got to be a yeah. big payoff for somebody and it's apparently the elite so let me just i just want to see it and so to me, it was a real like, Jesus, there's no there there at all. There's nothing up there, which I had really thought. I just got, I've got to get out of where I am, where there's nothing going on and get up to where the vampires are, I guess. And it's true. I've already you know, uh, long since become a socialist and given up on all that, disavowed the whole thing. But it was a very intense thing for a while. Like, wow, to have nothing, to have it apparently be there's nothing was in a, uh, was a shocking thing. Ah, so it was sort of like shattering, like that the vampires are not. <laughs> the vampires are not even yeah. vampires. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they all so, seemed like a bunch wait, of boring then, careerist middle, middle brows who aren't yeah. even particularly good looking or exciting in any way. In yeah, any but way. Then, wait, but then yeah. we agree. What's the disagreement? With, Just, the disagreement like, is for me, it was, it was shattering. And for you, it was not. You weren't expecting uh, it. You weren't looking know, for I'm it. Not, no, I'm not. I wasn't expecting anything. And I just think like, yeah, and I just think you should kind of mostly well, Hollywood, snub, you know, those, snub those people. If you read about <laughs> Hollywood, it has a long, proud tradition of genuine hedonism. And it's just apparently it died before I got there. I mean, if you read about the 20s, you're like, God damn. <laughs> God damn. I, I wish I'd been there. You know, that sounds like they really were the parties that won. You know the the kind of you know Olympian god parties going going on, and it just it just wasn't there. 
Yeah, well, interesting. I guess then it fits into what I've seen that um, at Tony Shea party, the founder of Zappos, which mm. was not like that huge, but I guess rather I mean, semi-exclusive, but not, not, not that big of a house. Yeah, there was a weird upstairs area. There was a sign, someone plastered to the wall, like refle- reflection room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the, I guess, uh, more <laughs> elites of that party, I guess, mm-hmm. more famous people. Some of them, most of them I don't even know because I don't know that many celebrities on their faces. But they would, like, surround themselves with candles upstairs and just sit there quietly and share an inter- intimate I, 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 I swear that was what it was about I swear intimate kind of concerns and I guess the truth is you probably could have just sit there and join some people were standing it wasn't like you're not banned from that space and there's nothing even happening there just like the candles and very quiet sort of confessional almost like a confessional room conversations which to me for a second I stood there for a little bit and thought wait um, I was with a friend that like it felt like is it like rich person support group it just I don't know what wow. it was about but, it, <laughs> but <laughs> reflection room how you like that oh my god I was like wait a second and um yeah and you can talk about what I guess troubles you <laughs> oh my god what troubles you <laughs> So, the, oh, yeah. wow, wow. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a prompt, but that's like judging by what they were talking about. That's clearly that's yeah. what it was about. Because you said kind of, you know, legs crossed, kind of yeah, on the floor, I almost in the closet space. Like, what, why? <laughs> what is this? And you can kind of observe and you probably can join. And that so is, you're I performing guess, that kind of idiotic, you know, goop, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow world kind of, oh, very goopy. you oh, know, concerned citizen, goop. but I have to make it public so I can monitor. <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't oh. that public. I think most people didn't would wouldn't go there because there was nothing there. Again, it's not about any drugs or more mm. drinks or anything exclusive. It was just that. So it wasn't. It seemed to be not like a popular destination, uh-huh. even though it wasn't. It wasn't like closed off oh. from the from the plebs. You could go, but. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what it was about. Oh, man. <laughs> Should I, like, impose myself and talk about my troubles to make them, like, more embarrassed about theirs? I don't Dear know. God. Like, I, it, that was supposed to be that. To do that, you have to be in a kind of performative mood. Yes, I'll say. But, um, yeah, I was <laughs> to do that. But, no, I was a bit kind of down. Yeah, and it's just the whole thing is a joke. It's like Tony Shea right in front of his house. There's some kind of book he wrote that is already obviously New York Times bestseller, something, The Power of Woe. And it's, like, all these books, like, in huge quantities lie around and it says like take one so it's like at the same time just self-promotion mm-hmm. like a weird, a weird self-promotion yeah Slash, i don't know what concerned citizen and then reflection room concerned citizen oh lord conversations mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah but anyway that's that's just the uh, take on those parties but the most interesting thing um you know you were part of the business it seems like this climbing definitely happens there because oh definitely since you're saying it's not just like this is interesting you mentioned yeah the truth of it disappointing truth for Mm. you was that this this so-called top players are still sort of just like almost networking schmoozing and it's like some sort of almost frequently work-related stuff eventually but then the ones who are like let's say lower or striving they're definitely there and they're Mm -hmm. trying to kind (laughs) of pitch and you know, make it mm-hmm. somehow more of a long, lasting connection than just like a convers like a have drunk conversation at that party. And that observing that, that's like the most hilarious thing. This is this is the best. 
I don't know. Did you did you get to see it back in the day? Like oh, the specific y- of kind of that's all. Climbing. That's all that's going on, pretty much. Well, especially if you're there with a film and you're and you're really, you know, you're in it. You're actually showing a film and having to do Q and A's. And, you're, and it, it wasn't me particularly usually, but it was you know the directors are taking mm-hmm. getting meetings all over town, and then you're anxiously hearing how the film's being received, and yeah, all it's all like you're trying to meet people, you're trying to get all this worry about getting into the parties. Of course, that's easier if you're one of the chosen directors you're going to get invited to most things but not the private parties where the serious schmoozing you know might actually go on yeah because you got to have all those pseudo casual conversations where you talk to some you know a joseph gordon levitt type who if he's on you know he went he was on a real hot streak for a while if you get to talk to him you have a really pleasant conversation he really he really dug your film (laughs) you might be able to line him up for your next film and that would be money in the bank you know so it's it's all that kind of gross you're pretending it's all just friendly conversation among fellow creatives but it's actually (laughs) god i gotta line up my next deal (laughs) God, I gotta shop around my next script, and we gotta start raising funds again. Yeah, there's all kinds of desperation. But you know what? What you're telling me now, I understand. This is not a real desperate. You can't. What you're describing is that more normal industry. You come with a film, and you're thinking about your next film. So it's mm-hmm. almost like okay, it's work. What what I can add to the conversation? There seems to be a whole like pretty big chunk of that world now. Is you come there, uh, and the group that. It, uh, I joined just because of the people I met through New York apartment we lived, so it was pretty random. Mm-hmm. Is like most people who come there, a lot of people, they're not there with a the film. They might right. be some sort of filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers or some sort of pretty, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I, you can ask me the same question. But um, they're, they're not there with the film, and then they're kind of like probably trying to schmooze their way up into either get their film made or I don't even know what, something of that nature. Oh, yeah. And that's, there's, there's and that's a, way yeah. funnier. There's a that's whole hierarchy of striving, for sure. Like, yeah, the, the, so, the, yeah. there's people who are trying to, you know, get their, you know, there's all those attendant, you know, there used to be anyway, you know, you know slam dance and rain dance and all of those. Oh, they're yeah, trying to lure people to the other alternate festival that's the true indie festival. And you've got people who, who truly are nowhere. They're there. They haven't. They, they don't have a film there. They're just trying to get a toe in the door. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a much more, I don't know. I, it sounds like you enjoyed that. I don't. I hate being in an atmosphere of desperation. Oh, no, um, I enjoy looking at it, but I don't like the fact that it's pretty close to, like, it hits home. Because, yeah. like, I'm, I'm close. <laughs> I'm basically somewhat in that situation. It's just that I have enough of a distance to be able to laugh at it and not take the kind of, you know, the supposed networking that I'm supposed to do too seriously. Oh, well, or that is like good. Seriously at all. <laughs> but, good. but the fact is, this is, this, yeah, the sense of desperation, yeah, I can definitely enjoy it because there's something, I don't know, there's so much comedy in it. You, it's the way you look at it, right? You don't have to be affected by by the kind of well, the sweaty it, desperation of climbers. Well, I guess that's exactly it. It's how much are you, like, you know, the most fun I ever had at Sundance was when I was there and I was no longer trying to be in the independent mm-hmm. film world. I was just there with whatever. I was bringing some students. So I was just yeah. there to watch film. That that's by far was by far the best because when you're there, because you didn't have an agenda. Because you yes, didn't have any agenda. You didn't right? have to try to please mm-hmm. anyone. You didn't have to try to interest anyone. You didn't have to try to get people into your film. You didn't have to try yeah. to get your 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 PR person to actually promote your film as opposed to the ten other films on her slate that she's working way harder mm-hmm. for. You know, you had none of that kind of miserable 
God, it's miserable. Fuck, it's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. But wait, and when you went more industry, like uh, with, the, with the industry, with the films, were you like in a producer adjacent role? Yeah, it- I was one of the producers. Well, I was one of the members of a company, uh, that, okay. you know, a small company that was that was pro- producing films film. by other people people as well mm-hmm. as by, you know, uh, two of the partners in the company were directors, writer-directors. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were all there with, you know, at various times, various films. And and one, the really bad one was this one film that we just couldn't sell because, frankly, it was a very, very bad film. It just didn't come out at all. And it was just a night... And it's a, such a nightmare to be there with a film that you know your chances are bad and you're trying to... We literally were promoting a film that wasn't the film we had because, you know, we, we had a great still that looked made it look like like a, a, just an outlandish kind of slapstick comedy. And on the strength of that, because that's a rarity in Sundance where there's all this very intense, supposedly serious, serious subject matter, we actually had lines around the block wanting to get in to see it. But the disastrous thing was, is they felt so betrayed once they saw the film and it wasn't <laughs> particularly funny and it didn't justify the one still image they had that you had people really hating the film. And yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. God. It was really humiliating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, well, I guess it's kind of good that's behind. But okay, I uh, <laughs> just look at my notes, the, fi- the things I have to mention. Oh yeah, uh, you saw a couple of other uh, films, yeah, the, right? No, I'll, I'll mention other films, but um, I just party related and oh, film right. related. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So do you remember, um, I, I bet if I was probably knows too. So the sorry to bother f- film, that was great. Right. The which um, film? Sorry to bother you. From oh, sorry to bother you. Yes. Sunday. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was two years on. Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh, do you remember the scene? I think, uh, it's very memorable where, um, uh, so he's, uh, the main characters at the house is this rich owner, mm-hmm. white guy and everyone, wants him to rap yes. just because they assume he can do it. Yes, yes, because he's he kinda, black. <laughs> yes, yes. And he kind of does, whatever. He, I don't want to say the he, words, but he does it however he can. Yeah. And there are all these rich kind of fancy white people watching sort of and look at him, yeah. watching and enjoying. It's like the buy. Okay. Uh, I I mean, I don't want to call names, but at the party of this big Sundance Entertainment lawyer, in the hills he every year they told me not just this year he brings this rapper oh no uh, i no. think it's like top you know what i don't even honestly remember the name i think mm. it might be to- topic topic mm-hmm. is his name so he's like pro- probably somewhat big in the mm-hmm. um, spoken world word slash rap world so he brings him and basically that scene it gets played I mean, out not oh. play, gets played out i, I was twice the parts played mm-hmm. out in real time oh. and you cannot believe it and oh. it's definitely like it depends on how your gaze like right depends on the gaze because obviously he's a real rapper and mm-hmm. he does it well and there's like you can tune in into the stories he, he's, he's telling you in whatever shape his nice voice and all that and he probably seems to be happier <laughs> to be there <laughs> uh, but the scene itself is very much <laughs> it's very much like from the movie oh. and another little scoop I can tell you because this rubber topic said that at one of these parties in the hills uh, a few years before Sorry to Bother You actually was made and came out, he met Boots there. Oh! And, um, cause, yeah, yeah. Because it was just, I don't know, hanging out and he was telling him about his film he's, he wrote or trying to produce. Mm-hmm. And and I and that gave me an idea. I'm, this is totally speculative. Like, whoa, so wait, Boots Rally actually saw this. Saw this. So is that where he got satire? it? Yes. Yeah, that's where I'm like, whoa, that's where you got it. You've definitely perfected it because it's way more exaggerated and funny as hell. Uh-huh. But, okay. Oh. And then, not only he made it those the same people cheer for him and say whoa what a great like whoa what a great what a great film what a great, great. 
Oh, I, it was something they probably like, oh, yeah, I know people like that. Yeah, not exactly. me. Exactly. Not me, but. <laughs> and, and I have to say, this is probably oh, one of the most, God. you know, visually memorable thing. I think, did he do that? I don't, I don't know. If we ever can get him on the pod, I would ask him. But, it, but like, obviously, <laughs> this is rather contentious to even go there. God, yes, I would, uh, that would be. Pretty famous people connected, right? To that would be fabulous. And, and he has talked at length about how so many of the incidents are drawn from his own life. Or, you know, okay. he, he's all then, then <laughs> experienced. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to die on this hill, but I'm pretty much like I don't know, eighty percent sure. Wow. This is like basically I was to the party that inspired this. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> and the, yeah, this, this is kind of oh. the high. I think the good, mo- the good sentence moment. Oh. oh my god. Okay, that was that. But okay, I wanna let's see. There. Okay, what I want to kind of deliver substance-wise. Um, there was um a movie premiered there. That interests me just because mm-hmm. I was reading about it briefly, uh, of uh, David Cronenberg's son, yeah, Brandon Cronenberg, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know what you think of him. He before that he only made one feature I haven't film, seen. Antiviral. I haven't yeah. seen his earlier one. I, yeah, um, yeah, I thought it's kind of fell flat, even though the idea is interesting. That you know, the mm-hmm. celebrity obsessed culture where you can antiviral is about like you can actually buy like the disease of the celebrity you adore and get sort of experience. <laughs> experience it so experience the disease the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's okay. of, of the celebrity you love so that's basically the premise of antiviral but it's I don't think it's a very um, sort of mm, satisfying you know yeah. movie in the mm. execution but it doesn't matter that's the only other movie it seems like he made right and this one called um, Possessor mm-hmm. and the premise I was fascinated by the premise because it's about is sort of a, a, a like this weird secret organization or company, the private company mm-hmm. that uses kind of brain implant uh, technology to um, get themselves, you know, uh, into other people's bodies and basically use their bodies as, as assassins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically kind of like in a way mind control thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then once the assassin does the job, they kill the body they inhabit while they've been pulled out because th- their real body is in their office or whatever in this right, yeah. headquarters of this organization and they just inhabit the headspace of the person kind of <laughs> they go in mm-hmm. anyway that's the premise and then they're always you know kind of basically it's about you know <laughs> making yeah different assassinations and um uh, and I don't know and it was kind of bizarre because uh, it was very brutal and it seems like people like the gore mm-hmm. uh, and was done well because he used only practical um, in-camera effects that seemed to be like hard to develop you know there was no CGI mm. and there was all this different I don't know created silicon hats and however whatever was killed was, was done like with a real you know almost um, who would do it obviously David Cromberg used to do practical effects right. probably a carpenter you know mm-hmm. someone with that aesthetic so try to go there but again I mean I cannot believe it I don't know what, what what's your take on Brian Garnberg but basically it just falls you can kind of enjoy watching it while it lasts visually but it's just so bizarre that he goes in the same territory he's like dad who's like an amazingly talented filmmaker right. uh, he would try to explore not even the other terrain of filmmaking but exactly the same I know like seems, literally hmm. try to go into the philosophical you know like try to create philosophical films that mm-hmm. are at the same time like body and and using you know the ex- existence star Jennifer mm-hmm. Jason Lee too right yeah she was there yeah. and she seems to be like the kind of not clear either the head of that uh, of that private organization yeah. um, that does the 
uh, the killing or I don't know some kind of CEO yeah she's there but again not not in an actually very memorable way mm. it's really weird but the thing is yeah how can you um, you know how, how can you even do that <laughs> just so bizarre do anything else like I don't know paint dance uh, <laughs> go make money on Wall Street I don't know just joking but it's just impossible I think to to like I don't know ha- have some sort of success or I mean unless you have probably I don't know if you have the, exactly the same type of talent which seems he doesn't because mm, there's like no emotion it's sort of like half baked not as well thought through somewhat philosophical interesting philosophical concepts that never even go anywhere in the mm-hmm. first place uh, the way David Cronenberg goes mm-hmm. but also emotionally just there's like nothing there you know how you know the body actually it doesn't hit you on the body level even though it is it is horror and, and graphic horror so yeah. you know, this whole, the whole thing was I was just wanted to see what would you know I, well, I'm, a, I'm with you I name. just think that of all mm-hmm. the crazy you know you'd have to be just beyond great to even because <laughs> uh, that's his he's practically got his own subgenre Cronenberg is yeah. such a unique <laughs> mind of a filmmaker that you know you, you're not going to be able uh, that does seem crazy but on the other hand they're probably thinking well the Cronenberg name itself now stands for something and I can just mm-hmm. as this son is a of brand. I can be like a brand. I can continue the brand exactly and have a yeah, career but then, exactly <sighs> but then the, this brand thing that only somewhat works legitimately in the business sphere like right like whether it can ever and then you, you know. can kind of pick up the rays and just keep expanding your mm. whatever shoe what? business that <laughs> yeah. you created. But this is no shoe business. This yeah. just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I was I was kind of shattered. And then uh, just because of the the fact that I was interested in not just because Cromberg, but the premise itself, I thought, oh, I guess he was like into a reading about MK Ultra, you know, this whole say experiment of the creating assassins, mm-hmm. which is an interesting kind of part of in a way, say whatever, American history mm-hmm. almost. And it was big in the nineteen sixties. And I asked him after the film and he will totally blank. He like knows nothing about mind control programs programs it seems. Oh wow. So, <laughs> wow. so, so I do have to say and not like you have to, but you're making this movie, I just thought it's like kinda of an immediate thought yeah you're not going there and that was well it was what it was you know uh, the most exciting thing uh, the, the, the thing that he was excited the most and uh, kept like talking talking during q a um uh was just the practical effects it seems like <laughs> the true uh yeah interest of his life just in making sort of like silicon had or some sort of other device mm-hmm. and, and make it look kind of cool and weird and scary um, yeah, wow! On camera, yeah. yeah. So that that was kind of that, which is well, there's a skill to that, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And there was like now I need to look up. There was an older. The cinematography was amazing, but it's like a much older cinematography he's working with. And now I'm like kind of suspicious. Is did David gave him his his film crew? Exactly. It wouldn't be the first time. It should be like Coppola. <laughs> the Coppola yeah. handing to Sophia here. Take my take my yeah. crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I yeah. have, like I guess I sympathize. I mean, what are you? You shouldn't be in film if your dad is. Or it would have been great if he if he really is gifted at practical effects. Why not make that your thing? And oh, and yeah, you could my... use the Cronenberg name that way instead of trying to replicate yeah. the genius kind of writer. Is he the, both the writer and the director? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he keeps doing. He basically. 
basically doing what his dad did. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. if David Lynch had a, well, actually he did kind of have Jennifer Lynch briefly trying to be a filmmaker. She made that one film, that one film, Boxing Helena, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. Mm, not there. I wasn't like blown away by it. Well, that's what I mean. It's like trying yeah. to be mm-hmm. somewhere in the territory of, you know, why father, try and follow yeah. in the footsteps of someone who's like one of the most unique filmmakers. It does seem very perverse. Like, it does. It does. Yeah. Just, yeah. You kind of, it's almost like if there's more dignity, I feel, in not doing that. And even if, I don't know, becoming some sort of, as you said, like craftsman, like, mm-hmm. let's say, even if you do those special effects yes and that and it fits the name because actually part of the thing that Cromer always has this interesting um built things right 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 scary and that's good but anyway that's that's the, all i have to say about that film, yeah. which is again watching it kind of interesting if, if if it was on netflix wherever someone will definitely right. buy it, it is, i think like somewhat worth somewhere worth watching at home yeah uh okay yeah what else um i guess i'll just briefly um want to see like say like because the, one of the movies that was definitely kind of like buzzy and i went to see it and it's called spree mm-hmm. did you read a little bit about I it i did a little bit yeah you did it just like yeah and it was like a like a satire a so i'm always ha- oh really did it suck it was, it was a disaster but it's interesting because the director was trying to say which was to me i'm kind of how embarrassing you're saying that after i just saw the movie you made mm-hmm. he tries to say how it is almost like uh dr strange love you know because that was dr strange love right it's just like a really obviously amazing one of the amazing satires uh-huh. on this and he basically thinks that he made if he did do that that it would be obviously amazing but he didn't basically he claims that he made the satire on our this like um uber digital um vein like influencer i don't know also card like sharing you know like uber driver oh yeah the weird world the combination Mm. of this all in one so this hour basically our daily for a lot of people kind of yeah he's trying to build some sort of media career off of being the, a, right, an Uber driver or something? I forget what he's doing. Oh, the plot, yeah. So that's, I'm just saying how the director supposedly... Oh, yeah. In, in the snobbish way we're talking about it. Yes. Achieved it. But <laughs> the idea of the film, yeah, it's just like the... I think... I, I wonder if it's sold well. But anyway, uh, I think it's somewhat well-received by the critics, but mm. the idea is that the really young guy can disturb... I think it's an actor from actually Stranger Things, but since I didn't watch Stranger Things, like, I didn't care. Mm. But the boy from that, he oh, plays, okay. yeah, like a Uber driver except that called not an uber but spree that service and uh he's also kind of a wannabe influencer but the problem with his streaming that only like i don't know three or five people following him mm-hmm. and uh he put a bunch of cameras around his car so he can actually stream while he's driving like film the people he's driving and all that and he kind of like quite slowly he gets desperate and he wants all this attention and become an influencer and he starts like killing his passengers and they kind of different weird ways but it's like the joke of it that uh, I mean again it's like kind of cartoonish gore or cartoonish killings not very interesting at all and he still cannot get the following so it gets sort of like you know faster and faster and more and more and he never can get the following but anyway and I don't want to like actually don't want to the spoilers on this mm. one but that's the world but the truth of it when you watch it and it's like from the first uh, almost <laughs> scenes uh, you just as if watch some kind of three different Instagram live videos with all this bunch of comments running in the split screens into three four or more mm-hmm. uh, things and that's that's basically your experience you know and uh. I don't think even if you want to comment on this like 
crazy live streaming reality. I don't know if you need it. <laughs> I don't know if you need it for like hour and a half, like like from two to five screens to, you know, to make a point because then you're just making it at first like one-to-one, which is not interesting. Mm-hmm. You can just make it as it is. But also like with unnatural just angles, dude, there's no way you can watch it all at once, you know? Right, like right. When we watch something, we well, it's insane, but we watch something one. Anyway, but yeah, it, that was And wasn't there some film that they tried to do, it was considered mm-hmm. this important experiment where they had a split, four, four-way split screen and it was it was also supposed to be about how mm-hmm. cameras are running everywhere and it's the new digital age and what the hell was it called? You mean at, the, at this Sunday or but just it, generally No, no, before? it was old. It was like old. <laughs> oh, at least um, 15, 10, 10 years ago, so 15 years ago. The split screen. And I just can't remember the name. You know? Oh, it wound up making ultimate Ultimately, nobody cared after the the hype when it initially came out. But it was all supposed to be like, what a riveting commentary on the way we live now kind of thing. And that stuff is so often lame. It's very hard to convey what yeah, what the new reality is and so far it's mm-hmm. it's yeah i haven't seen anyone do it do it well but that has that same sound of like oh this is supposed to be like you know really capture our media saturated world and it totally doesn't yeah, but also when you say convey, I guess, I mean, it conveys something. It just barely proves it. Is well, but not in a memorable direct. way, yeah. not in an insightful way. Yeah. You don't come away no, going, No, and also this yes. weird desire to do almost this one-to-one reality mm. film thing, which doesn't make sense. Again, well, what are you doing? If you're creating like a work of fiction that supposedly you're doing this like important satirical take, mm. why would you what's so important in in sort of trying to replicate right. exactly what your experience is, let's say, on that is the insanity of like ubiquitous Instagram thing. But it doesn't it doesn't seem to be let make I don't know, make a fucking documentary, you know? Yeah. And yeah. if you're making something imaginative then you have to go Farther than that. Further. You have <laughs> yeah, to kind of, yeah, yeah you, can, you have to pass into some kind of more, uh, I don't know, imaginative storytelling. Mm. And I don't know, it has to, uh, even, sorry to bother you, did a little bit of that. Remember? Mm, like, yes. yeah. But it does, it, it did it kind of way more successfully, obviously. Mm. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> worry free. What is it? There was like this whole worry free company. Yes, and um, it, just, it just had clever things with the, I don't know, the company doors, the access points. I loved all yeah, that. Yeah. That you know, yeah, y- your class like, it, rise it, is all hinged <laughs> at these access points, and I'm like, no, it is like that. It is like that, but it's done. It's still somewhat exaggerated enough to be able to absolutely laugh, to be funny, you know? and and yet you're you're recognizing the syndrome that it relates to in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's like I think ultimately it's kind of like a <laughs> a failure mm. and. Uh, since I met a few people who like read that script early on mm-hmm. and passed on it as like as production companies producers, yeah, and it seemed like interesting. Someone did, did eventually didn't change. It seems to be that script that a lot of people passed on, mm-hmm. and it did get made, and it even cost like I know like two million dollars. I'm like, how the hell in the world that that's possible? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That someone. Well, but that's again, it all boils down to some sort of connection smoothing and whatever you can convince people is cool to make. Right. And you're, it's astonishing how bad scripts are in, in general. So that, yeah. so that it just is, is so, you find yourself, just because I was in development for a while and I, and I wound up immersed in that for a while and it was just so amazing how, how you just mm-hmm. read just 
just endless hundreds of just terrible, terrible. I was literally one of the people sort of helping to run a giant con screenwriting contest. We were going to give away huge cash prizes. And we just read, mm -hmm. I swear, mountains of scripts and to find like a tiny handful of super flawed, but the best that we got scripts. It was just so discouraging. And so a, a kind of crazy desperation sets in where things start to look better than they are just because if there's anything interesting about them, it's hard to convey how how bad how many scripts and how bad they are well yeah and then the weeding out the weeding process out is, is, is actually kind of mysterious no yeah, yeah. well you're trying to be you topical say, you're trying to guess what's well i mean release times are faster depending on how you're releasing things but you know you're often having to project is this going to seem passe if it's trying to be topical is it going to seem passe in a year or two when we're finally done mm -hmm. with it? you know that's all that kind of stuff that's what goes into consideration yeah right? yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and now i don't even know yeah i guess it's still very like the topical thing is big clearly you have to <laughs> you have to tell important stories Right. It's just fast moving. And, and you know, there's, there's so much competition that people hear through the grapevine that someone's doing a hot script on some what's considered a topical thing. And then they'll they'll get their own project. So you'll have rival projects. And if they beat you to the market, yours then looks <laughs> derivative. And there's just all sorts of shenanigans that make it a really hard job to finally put your bet your put your all your little chips on something. And you're like, Oh, I hope we don't know. We'll see how this goes when it's finally made. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, in this case, kind of like speaking of Sundance post Harvey Weinstein, because mm. it's like definitely changed. Like, I mean, he did have a good, I don't know, what is it, eye, ear, <laughs> all of it, a hunch <laughs> for, for what's good and interesting, which is kind of... He well, did, he had an incredible run. You're not supposed to talk about it, basically, at this point. But yeah, I mean, you can't deny that he was a huge force. Uh -huh. And for a while there, he just seemed to be knocking them out of the park. I was never wild about the type of films that became the kind of signature Miramax films, personally. Kind of Shakespeare in love, English okay. patient-y, kind of... Eh. Oh, <laughs> never yeah, well, really interested me. Not my, you know, <laughs> not but, you know, all those Academy Award winners at that kind of... Uh, I don't know, level of, they, they're sort of independent, but they're super posh and polished with stars in them and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but but he also, you know, you know, his reputation got a little more tarnished when people talked about how much he bought. He just bought tons and tons of shit. They just make so mm -hmm. many purchases and shelve tons of them or butcher their releases. And it, it did something to sort of make it be like, well, but he buys so much more than he ever really you know, in his heyday, um, released it with any kind of fanfare um, that, it, you know, it, it, I don't know, it takes a little bit of the shine off the, for a while there, it just seemed like, wow. <laughs> and he was also such a genius promoter that he could promote yeah. his stuff into, you know, he was the one who just got the rep for, he can get anything, Academy Awards. He just run the, ran the greatest Academy Award, what, campaigns, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but that's, it, yeah, it is. that is some sort of talent. W were you there during his reign? He was, yeah, there, yeah. right? It was, did you ever like intercept? Like, I don't know what's no, in any God, countries. No. Not, not like that. <laughs> no, okay. I had no, no, none whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but now after his fall and the whole just general time's up, me too. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it seems like a different, different kind of. Seems to be very. Everyone's very worrisome, mm -hmm. and the vibe is the vibe is different there. Yeah, 
from what I oh yeah, I did see you know one of the before. one of the women centered though not I don't think women yeah it is also women directed that is getting a lot of plays the glorious it's based it's glorious Steinem's uh, a glorious Steinem biopic directed by Julie Taymor of Lion mm-hmm. King fame um yeah that's coming out starring Julianne Moore and it's just got you know, and, it, and it's it's just the ultimate liberal movie. <laughs> um, yeah. It's got the most sanctimonious, like the, the main PR image they're using is Julianne mm-hmm. Moore all decked out as Gloria Steinem with just a, uh, you know, this saintly smile on her, her face as women, uh, women, uh, you know, uh, women of, you know, a diversity of all races, all creeds, all yeah. ages are all behind her agitating it with is. signs and she's just walking ahead of them. <laughs> like someone leading the people and you can just tell from the image how sickening a film this is going to be it's definitely not going to be dwelling on you know Gloria Steinem's what CIA experience (laughs) and how she strongly defended the CIA is really a great bunch of people (laughs) but it's funny like all those biopics ultimately I don't know you tell me if there are other types they're all hygiographic that's the call seems to be. It seems like the, yeah, sometimes that's how you get access. The only way to do it is yeah, yeah. That's the only. There, oh, uh, you know that like Hillary was there. There is some oh, yeah. super high geographic biopic about around her. Like, yeah, in that's right. Yes. Isn't that four so, hours or something? I don't know. People were even someone like at the house who like clearly like a liberal kind of probably Hillary supporter would tell me like, whoa, that was just too much to watch, too much of her, and it's sort of a bit of pudding by the end. Wow. And I wonder, whoa, that's if the guy lived. Well, it's like a liberal kind of person telling me that. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can even, I can even try. Yeah, that's right. That. That's, but yeah. that's the documentary. Is it in which she says nobody likes Bernie Sanders and does that whole rant that caused that, <laughs> that big press oh. flurry? Or is it oh, to, that while sure promoting it, a, she said it? I can't remember. I think while promoting. While I don't promoting think it. that's part of the film. Okay, yeah. okay. That's what it, that was what it was. It, it, yeah, that seems that way. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so yeah. that's that's a big one. God, all this hijackers. There's like a Taylor Swift bio. Oh, I know, I saw that. Even though she's <laughs> I young, that. I did Miss Miss Americana. I actually heard good things about it, but I don't know. Again, it's a biopic. Yeah, for a thirty-year-old woman. That's yeah, great. no, the one, only one I'm really interested in, and it'll probably be terrible, mm-hmm. but it's called Shirley, and it's about Shirley Jackson, who's a who's an author that I just absolutely love and know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be a very daring, a kind of daring pseudo biography. It's a mm-hmm. little unclear how exactly they're they're handling it, but they're trying to come at it from another angle. So I'm hoping at least it won't be the standard biopic, as you say. They're all so uh-huh. rote and formulaic and toothless and boring, super obsequious. <laughs> yes, yeah. always. And so, and Shirley Jackson was the ultimate in weird. She's the one who wrote The Haunting of Hill House. We have all always lived in the mm-hmm. castle, the lottery. She's very famous. She literally thought she was a witch. Very strange woman, amazing woman. So it's, it's going to be hard wow. to come at her in a conventional yeah. way. Oh, so I'm, I'm hoping. Checking. Okay, Josephine Decker made the film. Oh, that's okay. right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. It's, it's listed as one of the women directed. Yeah. Yeah, she's, it's, well, she's kind of this experimental filmmaker okay I've so that's who knows it maybe. might be might be good but um yeah okay and well, then there's one else? on tesla <laughs> that's supposed to be also experimental oh okay no that's tesla is a dramatic film uh, i had a few like acquaintances who went to see it and they just like completely hated oh no so it like doesn't do anything interesting oh they're lying no, it's, about it it's like oh. it's an it's an extremely hyped film that people mm. kind of like 
overexcited and, and then end mm. up in it's like an underwhelming thing mm. that supposedly looks super shot in a super weird way probably what's the producer I'm at of Tesla but basically supposedly the budget was not high enough for that period piece oh. and that's why they were kind of shooting more you know like on close oh god <laughs> you know how it is budget wise <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but even that was kind of bad even you know you with constraints you can do something but supposedly even like was confusing space no established established shots what I heard it just like the just the film wise it's a very bizarre thing and the Ethan Hawke as Tesla doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really save it uh, plus they cast, just, they cast to, to play one of the greatest geniuses of all time they've cast mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke Ethan yeah. Hawke does not look like a genius like he's got really like Pretty he's mediocre. a fairly empty eyed guy I was just mm-hmm. like to play Tesla? Wow. Yeah, that's weird. I just said it's bizarre all the way. Yeah. It is bizarre. No, oh, too God. bad. Too bad. Well, oh, what's the hype? Oh, did you hear? So there's a Ren, I just know that cartoon, not probably Sintomalist Americans, with Ren and Stimpy. And there's a documentary oh. um, that's a bit buzzy about, about that. Oh, really? And about the creator. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Like, like Ren and Stimpy mm-hmm. Sundance, I guess. Type. But the problem is that the creator is just like, I think was... Me too. Either in the process of making it, oh, I didn't right know. after, and so that's immediately, you know, kind of puts it all under different lights. Oh. I'm not, I, now I'm not sure will it get acquisition. I don't know. People were speculating, right? What what the hell is going on? Will it on? get because canceled? I, yeah, because yeah, of will that. it get canceled as a film? Even yeah. though, like, the film probably shouldn't necessarily, but it usually happens because everyone starts being scared, right. spending any money on something that will never see. Yeah, you know, yeah. never see you back. Anyway, that's 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 that. Mm. God, I don't know. I wonder. I'm kind of okay. We talked for a while. I don't know. It's sort of like I think it's just kind of boring to just re- re- retell movies. Oh yeah, we could wrap uh, up. Yeah, so I think it's we can we can kind of wrap up. I guess the thing I was mostly. Uh, and I, I've seen it two, two years ago too, but it's always surprising. You know, it's supposedly an indie fest, obviously already not. There's a bunch of Netflix and HBO films in it. Mm-hmm. I think shouldn't be there. It's very bizarre. But then it seems like even the people in the kind of supposedly indie filmmakers, all they care about is looking up for like how much something sold. Mm-hmm. And then potentially if it did really well and everyone impressed by the distribution deal, uh-huh. then they might actually go see it. I mean, it's, I'm slightly exaggerating this logic, but it, it seems to be pretty big. They're like, oh, to, to, sell, to say something good about the movies, to say, oh, it's sold for, have you heard? Like right. Some kind of spring breaks, wait, no, not spring break, um, Palm Springs, some kind of weird comedy sold for, I don't know, almost like 18 million. Oh. And everyone talks about it and they're like, ooh, we should see it. <laughs> that's going to be the impetus to see something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Was it was it in your day? Oh, yeah. It, it was already starting. To... Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the what sold. Then it was a big deal if it sold for $5 million, you know, mm-hmm. because, mo- you know, for a film that made, it was made for a couple yeah. of million, if it sold for $5 million. Then I can I can remember a, a biggie was something sold for $10 million and they lost their shirts. I can't even remember. Uh-huh. It sank without a ripple of some comedy. Yeah. And, yeah, so I could, re- you know, I know it's ratcheted up and up. Like, what are the big sales? Sales and more and more news attached to like what got a big sale oh yeah that was definitely happening yeah and that's just again shouldn't it, <laughs> i mean that's i guess the idealistic part it right? was yeah, and yeah the original vision was not that how much it not sold about for that. It's not, <laughs> and who's gonna get work. a hollywood career out of this was not the plan yeah yeah who's the next 
yeah. big something. Big something. <laughs> Go, yeah. yeah, make it. And well, and it is frequently still like a step into studio filmmaking, at least for men. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> you make a Sundance film, and then potentially. Oh, you can it make absolutely. A studio film. If you make a splash so at Sundance, it still will get you a ton of meetings. And if you sell a film and all that stuff, that's that's all true. All true, all true. Um, okay, I wonder, I kind of look in my notes, I wanted to go a little bit into like a semi-sex scandal between that was happening right there, mm. but then I wonder, is it even worth going there? Because it's weird, it hasn't been reported uh-huh. um, by like... Well, then you the definitely guy. should mention what it is, because you can't leave people hanging. Just mention what it is. Oh, at least I'll mention, because I don't know. I mean, it's okay, gossip is part of... Podcasting. And you can just say, but it's never developed, and so it can go no further. But this yeah, was the rumor. Like, no, it's not a. It's not even a rumor. It's like a. Basically, there was a premiere. I, I will name. I mean, mm. I don't have any stakes at that. So there was this movie. There was. I mean, semi semi hyped. I can't even tell. Whatever. What is more buzzy? What's less buzzy? Mm. Called Omniboat. Omniboat. Mm. And um, that's like an anthology uh, about like a connected very loosely because it's all um, anthology of short films directed by different filmmakers loosely connected because it's all kind of happens through on the, the speedboat mm-hmm. uh, but the stories are different anyway it's not even that interesting of a premise but um, it, it was produced by um, this com- Miami based um, I think company called Borscht mm-hmm. and uh, right at the, the day of the premiere or the evening after the premiere and all the Q&A and by the way then like the I think grandson of Robert Radford produced it. Oh. And that explains, I think, why it's, like, why it's in the there. festival. You know, you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah, it explains a lot. But anyway, mm. that's it's not even the main point. So after the premiere, the next morning, the uh, thing that started kind of tra- like spreading, mm. but it might be like in more like part city circles, you know, more like indie kind of industry thing. Mm. This like post by a girl who used to work for them mm-hmm. and uh, dated one of the... Um, um, the kind of founders, the main guy, mm-hmm. and she was basically accusing of the other founder, not the one she was dating, of raping her at, at one of the parties. Mm-hmm. You know, the pretty classic like Me Too story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then everyone was started talking about, oh, but then this day, so that this thing is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do how many people know about it? What's going on? Is it true? Um, people who close to them said definitely it's true. He's a piece of shit. De- pretty much definitely true. Probably there are more women. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same night there was the you know, how there are parties for the movies, the movie party mm. that happening all over town. Yeah, and uh, everyone was like speculating whether mm-hmm. will people like ban the party, you know, mm-hmm. like not show up, what's the good, what's like, how to say face, what's going on, mm. uh, would like the financier, would someone like pull all the financing out of that, mm-hmm. will they go down immediately, you know, how sometimes things spread really quickly. Right. But I went to that party and there was nothing. It was just totally normal right no no effect whatsoever so the conclusion of that i don't know it seems like who knows it seems like i heard my being devoured writing about it so my point is i don't know maybe not a big enough fish to blow up into like huge media scandal with like new york times reporting on it right mm-hmm. but um or is the tendency usually... toward business as usual what really dominates mm-hmm. even in the era of me too yes uh-huh. if there's some advantage and there isn't an outright scandal you sort of go hmm i'm gonna hedge my bets and go to the party it might be advantageous if the movie does well yeah yeah that's true but then i don't know that one i would want to follow up will it come out it will they, right. will, will the distributors drop them or never acquire them because mm-hmm. that might still happen because even if it 
it didn't go large because in, inside there's still pressure, right, right, right? Usually on not associating yourself with it because other people worry about their money, blah, 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 the usual thing. So I don't know, but that's the scoop. But it was kind of interesting to watch because like she probably girl timed it for the premiere. You mm-hmm. know, there's a premiere, premiere, everyone's like reporting on it. Sandy well, and it was happening in real time and you were there. And, real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was, I mean, I don't know it's a scoop, but it was kind of interesting. God, it's like, insane world i mean of course like this asshole shouldn't necessarily not necessarily shouldn't be allowed to just go on and constantly yeah. do that but just like the scandalous kind of this unraveling of this stuff is well and, you, and, and that you don't know what happens like literally was was some deal cut was something was some was it somehow squelched with threats you yeah, know which often happens basically um, oh that they will the victim gonna be well yeah that this will be something you'll yeah. never hear about again but the reason being mm-hmm. they got to the person and, and used leverage and, and threats her, like, and made her be silent mm-hmm. and said go away um, a lot yeah. of times when scandals you hear something and they don't then they never blow up you have to wonder like well what what, what were the maneuverings behind the scene that made this suddenly go go away <laughs> yeah interesting yeah well that's then it's pretty <laughs> exclusive and for who knows it might never come out and she might be either started no paid off or yeah. who knows because it's like you know yeah, he's a mini never... harvey weinstein already operating so seems to be yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the other guy seems to be better but yeah one of them like hmm. i don't know it's not worth disclosing the name it's just they're not that big of a fish again mm-hmm. uh, overall like movie making wise you know considering mm-hmm. other production companies but yeah but it's also interesting like very kind of it's miami like I guess it's Miami attitude because <laughs> it's Miami based. It's also a perfect company. Hollywood attitude. <laughs> Fit right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. It's like, I guess right the Hollywood, I, I'm just repeating almost the mm. words, you know, I bet the Hollywood people kind of like emphasizing, you know, or New York, LA people emphasizing that there's just the Florida thing. Yeah, this like, is you know, a Florida. Oh, look at yeah. those. Yeah, I'm repeating. It's not even my take. It's like, oh, right. yeah, Miami. Yeah. Mm. How, how vulgar. Figures. How well, it can happen. Like, what are you talking about? The like, F scene or whatever. Like, Park Avenue mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be yeah. in a kind of widespread yeah. yeah yeah so it's not about Miami but yeah but that somehow it seems to be like emphasized mm. around it that this is like all right well yeah. we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out for what was the name of the film again uh, Omniboat Omniboat we'll have to keep see an eye out see if it out. fails or will it or it gets a big release or yeah, 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 yeah so that would be kind of a good indication of actually of what happened with the scandal <laughs> right even if it's like minor but yeah anyway I think Enough. Yeah. <laughs> Gossip. <laughs> yes. No. But um yeah. Um yeah, I guess I would you you did did do you have anything else to add to your Sundance experience? I don't I, like overall, I, I think we've covered it. How about did you do you have I've a final take on on your final experience? Take. I mean depressing as hell. Uh, wow, that is a good final <laughs> strong final take. No, overall, not in the mm-hmm. you know, of like I think that's the kinda the real Conclusive and de- depressing in terms of everything, including the films, the films plus the experience. The experience, not the, there might be good films, mm. but just like the, that world is, I mean, both funny mm. if you can maintain that satirical uh, disposition, mm. obviously, you can maintain it all the time, 24 mm. 7, <laughs> and then depressing if you're actually trying to do something. And yeah. um, because you have to basically half play the game because people with money and resources, they mm. are, you know. <laughs> you have to kind of somehow navigate that. Yeah. Unless, unless well, I don't know. There's no unless, actually. You have to. Okay. So uh, I think we did what we could. Yes. <laughs> That's a bleak assessment. <laughs> we did what, well, because I guess, uh, you know, you always can do more right. or better. But I, we sort of expressed 
certain opinions. There were some facts. <laughs> We've got um, some facts. We've got a little analysis here and there. We've got some arguments. We've got we got a grab bag of stuff, basically. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like a weird kind of like a like dull note to end, but that's that's at least that's all I have. But you know, we're I, I don't think so at all. I think reporting back from Sun I always okay. wanted to do the Sundance episode. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Reporting back from Sundance is inherently interesting, you know. Even though it's super overrun and popular, frankly, the vast majority of people interested in film aren't ever gonna wind up at Sundance. So it's it's yeah. it's an interesting subject to talk about. It's an extreme place. But anyway, we're going to, you know, we're, we're swinging into, isn't it the next time that we have to cover the Academy Awards? Because we have to. It's I an obligation. So. So we'll do an, yeah, and we'll do an early one. And also yes. there's in, in, Independence the Independence Spirit Awards. Awards. Did I say right? exactly. Awards, it's February 8th. That's, so that's right. All the night yeah, before. We'll, we'll cover. So the 8th and 9th are the award shows, and we'll probably record the 10th? We'll definitely cover. Yeah, whatever. It's going to be soon. It's not going to be like... Yeah, we won't wait all the way to the 15th. scheduled. Yeah, exactly. So that's coming up. All right. Back in two weeks. Yeah, last or two close weeks. to. <laughs> close to. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye. bye.